pretty soon, you know, our life's going to get really crazy with tons of teenagers in the house. Mm -hmm. But where we're at, at this point in our lives is we're still improving our lives as parents, yeah, yeah, yeah. as people. So yeah. we're still in school. We're still having to study. How can we help our children study? What's up, guys? What's up, man? Jordan and John here. RLTK Real Talk Phoenix podcast episode six, uh, and we wanted to change it up a little bit today. Uh, we've been keeping it uh, somewhat topical, I guess you could say, and what we wanted to do today was kind of uh, pull back a little bit and kind of look at a trend that we're seeing among teenagers, Yeah, uh, something that it's not just being researched and documented, but something that I've openly heard team, teenagers mm -hmm. admit is true, yeah. and that is uh, this thing called resilience, or in their case, a lack thereof yeah. resilience, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I guess a good definition to kind of um, help us understand the term as we dive into it is kind of like this reality of in the midst of adversity, difficult circumstances, difficult, difficult scenarios, situations where things don't go the way that they would like them to, uh, they're responding by um, just quitting. Yeah. And like even maybe even quitting the, the first time around. Sure. I was having a, a conversation with a small group of youth that I spend time with. And I asked them flat out, like, hey, I'm seeing this as a generational trend. Uh, what do you guys think about this? And they were like, yeah, it's true. Mm. Like, we quit stuff all the time. So they weren't offended at nope, the No, they weren't offended in the slightest. They was just like, yeah, straight up. This is definitely true of our, true mm. of our generation. Anytime we experience adversity, anytime we experience any type of pushback or um, people don't like what it is we're doing, we're very prone to just say, oh, I'm done with that. I'm not mm. going to do that anymore. I'm going to go ahead and do something else. Mm. And so I thought that was really interesting. And we wanted today just take some time to kind of uh, answer, like, why do we think this generation's quitting on stuff? Uh, what will be the long-term results of that, potentially? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, how can parents help their teens build resilience into their lives? Because, obviously, uh, you know, long-suffering with something, being patient, working through something through difficulty is a really important um, personality trait a really important characteristic Absolutely. to have in life in general because Absolutely. like there are moments there are seasons in life there are periods of life where things are up and down as everybody who's lived for a longer period of time would know and, and i'm sure to a certain extent teenagers even know that it's true too Absolutely. it just seems that they're trying to mitigate as much adversity and as much uh suffering and situations mm -hmm. and circumstances where they can experience adversity as possible they just wanted to remove those sure. as quickly as they possibly can and it, and it seems like that's something that technology has really helped with. I think that, you know, I'm old enough to remember before the internet yeah, and how yeah, life yeah. really was. And so, you know, I think for them, when you've grown up in a culture that values convenience, that values speed, mm. whenever you're in a situation where things take longer or yep. things are difficult, yep. I think the mindset kind of triggers instantly into, is this thing really worth it? Yeah, And so I think it really needs to be that teenagers have to have a mind for wisdom regarding this. And sometimes mm -hmm. for us as parents, you know, we're caught up in that as well Yeah, because we get caught up in the convenience game and maybe because we were on the other side of it Yeah, where we've already developed that resilience where we can check the boxes over things that are perhaps, okay, speed is okay here or efficiency is okay here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I think that that's the thing as parents that you've got to be really conscientious about like, what are the things that your teenager may need to slow down on, not quit, and to press in and to continue forward with. Yeah, I agree. 110%. Yeah. Um, 
So it's interesting as we look at this generation in general, there are kind of some forces that are forming this generation mm -hmm. I think play into uh, the resilience or the lack, lack thereof. Mm -hmm. We've seen obviously technology is a huge one. We've already talked about it some. I think we're going to continue to talk about it. It's going to be an overarching topic that kind of weaves through everything we talk about because it is literally their reality now, right? It's not just mm -hmm. a part of their world. It's like their world. And in, in some cases, it can mm, be more real good. for them than it can be the world that we live in today. And I'm not here to say that's good or bad, but I'm here to say that it's true. It's a reality. Right? And so, like, what are we going to do about it? How do we engage it? How do we teach them to engage it? Right? So that in the same way that generations previously have lived solely in uh, the world that we can, you know, sensually experience and feel, but haven't always done a good job of living it out. We want to teach them that, in that world, we want them to do a good job of living things out. You know what I'm saying? Their worldview, their values. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, instilled uh, in them by you, the parent. Mm -hmm. So we see that. Interestingly enough, we see uh, this idea of security. So because this is the post 9-11 generation, the generation mm -hmm. that experienced uh, 2008, and so their parents go through all they went through. They're also extremely uh, serious about money, right. which is really interesting as well. Uh, we're seeing, obviously gender identity which is something we'll get into in a later podcast but because of all the things that we're seeing surrounding that what is sex what is gender and uh sexuality and how people are now engaging in that and living that out we're seeing that completely different um and another important thing to recognize is that with any generation one of the number one things that shapes it is parenting yeah so uh, the reality is that this generation is um the way that it is because its parents helped shape it shape it to be that way and so uh, let me dive into that for a minute because I think that's an important place to start in terms of why this generation quits on stuff. I think there's this reality that, and, and this is part of the, the data and the research that's been done, the trends, we've seen that um, the parents of Gen Z are way more hands-off. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because their parents were way more hands-on. Right. And so now they're like, hey, we want to give our kids the freedom to experience and to explore and to use stuff and to enjoy stuff and to have freedom in life. But uh, because we didn't experience any growing up and we had mm -hmm. strict rules and we had to be this way and we had to do this way and we got disciplined way more and all these different types of things. But as a consequence, it seems that there's almost an overcorrection, right? And this is, you know, humans are guilty of this, right? The pendulum swing, we go one way and we go the other way. So it seems like uh, the parents of Gen Z have kind of swung completely the other way and there's like no real oversight and no real uh, uh, guidance, in some of the things that these kids mm. are engaging in. And so they're having to figure things out for themselves. And we know that the data says when a teenager has to figure stuff out for themselves and they don't get uh, the wisdom they need from their parents, they make way less conservative decisions. They Absolutely. make way more experimental decisions because they don't know the right decision to make. So they're just like, we're gonna try everything Absolutely. and figure out what's right. Yeah, and I think part of it is how busy parents are compared to generations before in the past. That's good. I didn't um, think about that. Yeah, if you think about um, my wife, for instance, right now, you know, we're definitely, I would say, Gen X. But my wife, we have children. We have a preteen, and we have one on the way um, who's going to be a preteen. Yep. And then we have a five-year-old daughter. Yep. Yep. And so pretty soon... You know, our life's going to get really crazy with tons of teenagers in the house. Mm -hmm. But where we're at, at this point in our lives, is we're still improving our lives as parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As people. So yeah. we're still in school. We're still having to study. How can we help our children study? And I think previous generations before in the past either 
women weren't pursuing those things that they're pursuing now. Yeah. Husbands had security and, and job stability. The economy is so crazy with the gig sure. economy the way it is. I think I saw research that said that like now you have to have both parents in the home. Absolutely. Or, like that, or, or you just or you lower your standard of yeah. living, right? And I actually know a lot of people after 2008, a lot of people, they got into homes that they couldn't afford. They lost it. And so at that point in time in their life when they should have been starting and building, things happened. Maybe they lived beyond their means or whatever bad decisions happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one bailed them out. No one said, like, here's a free check to take care of your mortgage. I mean, I know people who lost their mortgage. I know people who, you know, in their 30s and 40s had to file for bankruptcy. It's crazy. That's a terrible set of circumstances to start a family out with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you to know? have a family in, right? Exactly. And, and so, these kids saw that. Yeah, exactly. And so I think part of the resilience that you're seeing right now is that there's a generation in Gen X that's having to build their own resilience still mm. concerning the what they're having to recover from. And some have and some haven't. But I think that you're right. It's created kind of this cultural Yeah. And I think think about it this way. Situation, if, I, yeah. if I saw my parents go through that, I would do everything I could in my power to make sure that didn't happen to me. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like if I saw my parents lose their home or I saw my parents struggling because of what happened when I was younger, absolutely, I would be setting myself up to make sure that that does not happen to me and my family. And yep. any any sniff of that happening is like, no way. Yep. Or I would just avoid the circumstance that created that scenario in the first place. Sure. Right? But I think so, that people forget how much pain was associated with that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. there were people who... You know, drug addiction, if you look at the opiate crisis, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with how people have handled things emotionally after just 2008. And then you had 9-11 before that. I mean, in a really short period of time, yeah, there were the a lot of things. Right? The world just changed overnight. Yeah. Right. And so I think that in some ways, parents are perhaps kind of trying to shield their kids in some way from, mm. from the difficult things they had to experience. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's good, man. I think another thing to think about as well is, uh, and it's kind of leaning into technology a little bit, the ability to create their own world. So obviously you were mentioning your son, and I know that we've talked with him before about his love for video games. And I've talked about talked to, to other teenagers, preteens about this. And it's this reality that they can go online with their friends and create the world that they desire to create. Like Absolutely. Minecraft. For Absolutely. They can just build this world. And they can go in there and do what they want with their friends and kind of live in there. And it's kind of whatever they want it to be. And so they create this world, this utopia, if you will, right? Yeah. Where everybody's hanging out and having fun. And then if anybody's acting crazy, you can just kick them out, right? Right. And so then I think that kind of translates into the real world or makes them retract from the real world because it's like, hey, well, I have this utopia over here. And this is also now part of their reality. Right. So why not spend most of my time here? Instead of spending my most of my time here, especially if home life's hard, or you know mm -hmm. maybe parents are separated, or there's a there's a bunch, there's, there's issues with other family members, or there's difficulty at school, mm -hmm. all those types of things, it would be it makes way a lot of sense that you'd want to escape to this utopia that you've created yourself for yourself that is everything you want it to be. Yeah, right? absolutely. it makes perfect sense. And so I think that would be another thing that would contribute to um, mm -hmm. the lack of resilience. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like, hey, let me get rid of this adverse circumstance mm. in my utopia that I've created. There are no adverse circumstances. Right. And so that becomes like the baseline, the foundation for the things that I desire to experience in my mm. life. Right. And then 
everything else that goes against that we're going to remove. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you were talking about earlier teenagers being able to discern between their on their online life or their digital life, their social media life, and yeah. quote the real world that yeah, we live yeah, in. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about that, especially when you consider the online gaming community, which a lot of teenage boys and teenage girls are wrapped up in. Yeah. I would say part and how does this play into the resilience issue? Well, when I was a kid, when you were playing video games, you had to go to the arcade where all your friends were, yep. right? And there yep. was definitely this community aspect that happened in there. Mm -hmm. But unless you were playing you know, a, a, a match against someone at the arcade yeah. right there, which didn't happen all the time. You were mostly playing against the computer. And so what happened at some point was you could master the level on the computer and win. Mm -hmm. But what happens with kids playing online is you've got a lot of kids who are coming up and they find no mercy with the people that they're having to play with because it's not a computer. It's not a robot, it's right? A being, right? It's a human being. And that human being's not letting the little kid who's the new player win. Oh, yeah, they're trashing them. Exactly. They're trashing them. And so there's actually this big controversy that's going on right now with Fortnite because Fortnite, I, I want to say from the beginning, there were no computer bots or computer simulators in the game. It was all an online community with people. But what's happened is there's a whole new term that's come out in the gaming community called noobs. And so when kids come in and they play, it's really difficult unless they play with other noobs. And how many kids want to do that? You always want to play with the older, more experienced guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of building up that resilience, the, the weird part about it is parent, parents see that their, their student is online yeah. and, or, or playing a game. And that could be the very place where they're building resilience, where they're overcoming, right? <laughs> you see, and so it's, it's creating this weird scenario where it's, how do parents teach their children these things that we're talking about when they're living online and then we try to take them away from that and get them into soccer or we try to get them into some other academic program where we think that that's going to work. Yeah, and it's interesting too because I mean like, for example, the university down the street right now has an esports program now. Exactly. scholarships out. And there was a it's dude, almost like culture is conceding like, to this point there now. There was a dude who won like $15 million the other day from winning a... Uh, I think it was like Overwatch or something or Fortnite or whatever. <laughs> or some kind of tournament. It won like yeah. 15 mil. It's like crazy. Yeah. So way, sometimes this noob, resilience. Noob is not a new term. Well, it's a new term. It's a new term to me. So I've been using, we've been using the term noob since I was playing Call of Duty. Okay, college. well, there you go. See, I missed that whole generation because I was working when that thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I had entered my working years when that really yeah, became yeah. a thing. So, but yeah, it's just no, weird yeah. that it would be. People do use it. I've heard yeah, yeah. say it. And yeah. Yeah. It's a derisive term now. It's yeah. like literally you don't want to be called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? make you upset. That's yeah. interesting. Huh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, my point in saying that is I think that this kind of shows where we're at culturally right now. The one place where parents are feeling this, oh, my kid's not resilient. Well, That's maybe. That's the place where they're building it. Exactly. That's interesting to consider, right? And it's also the world they live in. So, yeah. so at what point are we going to pull our kids back away from culture? Or recognize this is where the culture is going. This is where the world's yeah, going. Teach them how to navigate. Like maybe we need to learn a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's good, man. Yeah. Play a little, play a little uh, Fortnite with your kids, or, or at least understand the world. Yeah. Right. That's good. Yeah. Um, I think another thing is another thing that would use to suggest why generation this generation's quitting on stuff is uh, the affirming culture. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that right now what we're seeing with their generation is that. 
in order to accept somebody, it means you have to affirm them. And if you don't affirm them, it means you don't accept. And so there's this reality that whether uh, teens have varying opinions on things is really irrelevant. What matters is what the culture says. And then whatever the culture is saying, everybody affirms because they're afraid that if they don't affirm it, they're going to be an outcast, right? And so mm-hmm. the whole thing is like, hey, I'm, I'm afraid of being judged. I'm afraid of being pushed out. I'm afraid of being left out. And so whatever's the thing in culture right now, like obviously one of the big things is sexual identity, mm-hmm. gender fluidity, all those different types of things. And so students just affirm all of that. And it's not, it doesn't really matter like what their opinion is on it or how they really think about it. They'll really just keep that to themselves. And in terms of what they uh, portray to the public, everybody affirms and everybody's like, hey, this is what it is because they don't want to be pushed out uh, don't want to be maligned or any of those types of mm-hmm. things. And so what is that teaching? Once again, not to have resilience, not to stand up for what you believe, not right. to ask questions, right? But just to fall in line mm-hmm. with whatever's happening, right? And why fall in line? Because I don't want anything bad to happen. I don't want to have any bad sure. experiences. And so I'm just going to go ahead and fall in line with the culture and um, for the sake of like not experiencing any adversity, sure. not experiencing anything bad happening to me or anybody not liking me. Yeah. And so I think that's really interesting um, how I think this affirming culture is going to play out in terms of um, kids lacking resilience. Sure. Because they won't stand up for their own opinions. They won't stand up for what they really believe as individuals. Yeah. Or the ones who do stand up will be, they'll emerge as real leaders. Right. And, and what I mean by that is I think there's some positivity to this culture that's been created online okay. in that there are some nasty things that people have said online yep. that they've just given them per, permit themselves permission to say because of the, the anonymous nature of yep. being online. Yep. And I think that we're getting to a place of more and more transparency yep. to where, okay, if you're going to be the kind of person that says that we're going to know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's That's a big true. difference between developing resiliency in the sense and that protecting the community. Yes, and protecting the That's community, point, right? And so anyone can say, "Oh, I'm resilient because I, you know, I pretended to be someone that I really wasn't online and yeah, said I'm some provocative things just for the sake of being sensational." It's not exactly, or, or being provocative. I'm trying to be helpful or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or being provocative out in front of everybody in broad daylight. Yeah, the, the, it's easy to be provocative with the, the cover and the anonymity of the internet. Hmm. And so the, the more transparent that we're getting as far as identities, you know, knowing who the, you know, the fake news culture, what's happening right now, the fake news culture yeah. is forcing a level of transparency. That's why you see the check marks a lot more, hmm. you know, people are like, Oh, you got your check mark or you got your top fan. There's like all of these ways that we're trying to confirm that the person who's saying the things that they're saying online, hmm. that you can actually find that it's a person uh, okay. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? All the bots and all the all the bots and, that, and all right? the technology, and you don't know if it's really who they say they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. these things can have full blown conversations. With absolutely, people, right? absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's a lot to think about. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think another thing that we can point to as we kind of talk about parents and close this part of the podcast uh, is the expectation that things will be easy. Mm. Um, it's good, and so I think. Um, with parents, what we're seeing is that obviously they experienced extreme adversity in, in all that they experienced, A, with their parents, and then B, all the, uh, how quickly the world has changed, 9-11, uh, mm-hmm. the crash in 2008, right? And all right. those different things that happened. And so now it's like, hey, I don't want my kids to go through that. Mm-hmm. And so they've created an environment where their kids 
don't experience adversity perhaps and then that trains their kid to mm-hmm. think that things will be easy because right. things have been easy right especially considering you know getting the things that they want and experiencing the things that they want and going to do the things that they want to do you know what i'm saying and i think it's awesome and right for a parent to say hey i want my kid to have experiences that i never had mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but i think with anything once again there has to be balance Right. And I think once again, the pendulum may have swung too much in the opposite direction. Absolutely. And so now what we're seeing is kids that are entitled. Right. Mm-hmm. And they just expect things to be a particular way. Mm-hmm. But what we know about the real world is uh, that most of the time, that's actually not the case. Things sure. don't work out the way you thought they were going to like really. Right. right. Yeah. And so um, we see that as something else that is affecting this generation. And so, those are just some things that we're seeing. Um, and so we want to move on to uh, the next question that we have. And so we're thinking, what what will be some of the lasting results of um, these kind of things that are playing out in this generation, mm-hmm. the lack of resilience that we're seeing? Um, and so I think one of the things that I'd like to start on is this reality of um, they're really going to miss out on a vital piece of life and what it means to be human and the human experience and that is to obviously experience adversity and come out on top mm-hmm. like um honestly could say that i wouldn't be where i'm at today and doing the things i'm doing today if i hadn't experienced adversity as a young man and had to overcome mm-hmm. and experienced the feelings and the confidence that it built on the inside of me to overcome yeah, circumstances absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not necessarily just saying, you know, things like, oh, you know, I failed a test and then, you know, I went back and we did it or, you know, I won, you know, a soccer tournament or whatever it was. I'm talking about like Mm -hmm. real life adversity, you know, friends dying, family dying, Mm -hmm. um, you know, heavy life changes, you know, my dad leaving home, those different types of things and then walking through that, experiencing that and then having the resilience to overcome those things, not to avoid them, but to stare them in the face deal with them mm-hmm. and then move forward and i can't say i did mm-hmm. all that stuff perfectly sure but um to have those experiences and to overcome them as a young man have deeply helped shape who i am today and i think um that that is something that people need to experience and it is formative in their human experience mm-hmm. to make them who they will become in the future right yeah because absolutely. without that when it comes to like uh business absolutely you know what i'm saying how are you going to be successful? If you're going to experience adversity, things are not always going to go right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's going to be really difficult for you if you want to go out there and build a business. You're going to experience adversity. Sure. The people that you thought were going to support you are not. Yeah. And then the pe- there'll be random people that do. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, like, how are you going to how are you going to deal with that um, being let down? How are you going to deal with the feelings of maybe feeling like, man, I shouldn't have done this. Sure. I invested my money wrong. All those different types of things that you experience. As you try and do stuff and go out in the world and be your own person and and make it leave your own mark and those mm-hmm. different types of things you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, and so as i think about um that that's something that kind of weighs heavy on me sure and how i think that's really important yeah it's absolutely important and i think when we think about the things that you know parents could be doing to help that yeah you know there's there's some of those things where i think there's the perspective that a parent has i need to get my child into sports so they can learn resilience or I need to get my child into the debate, the debate team or AP classes or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that there is this thing inside of parents that that's healthy. You want your children to learn that you want yeah. them to, to grow and, and develop in those areas. Yeah. But sometimes I think 
we have to be careful about the things that we're putting them into because it can actually be detrimental to them building resilience. You don't want them just to get more and more discouraged. So I think it's really important for you to discover the things that your, your teenagers into. And some of that thing, some of that stuff will change over time. Yeah. But I, I found this for myself. Like I want my kids to be into wrestling the way I'm into it. I want my kids to be into football the way I'm into it. And so it's kind of like I'm judgmental of them if they're not resilient in the certain areas that I want them to be. Yeah. And so I think it's really important when you're asking yourself this question, like, what are the areas I think you had mentioned, if it's something like a business, that's one thing, you know, or if it's if it's something like a relationship and overcoming in those areas, that, yeah. that's another thing. And so obviously conversation, sharing your own life story with your students, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Or with your student, with your teenager, that's a huge thing. Um, and I'll just share a, a personal story of mine sure. that, that kind of helps. Uh, when I was growing up, had a real, I didn't pay, play sports early. I played them a little bit later, like around 10 years old is when I first started getting into it. And I remember all the other kids that were, were playing with me were way better than I was because they had been playing since they were, you know, playing t-ball at six, you know, five yeah. or six. And so the first time I played, I was really discouraged because I'm as old as all the other boys, but I didn't have the same knowledge that the other boys had. Same skill. Exactly. Yeah. Same skill, same knowledge. I literally didn't even know like how to stand in a batter's box or any of that stuff. Mm. But what happened is the coach would work with me afterwards. Um, he was a really great coach. And, you know, he understood that I had been a little bit delayed in, in my experience and in, in, yeah. in developing those things. And so he'd work with me afterwards. And I remember... He was throwing balls at me and I was standing, uh, you know, in the the place and, and the, what the batter's box getting ready to hit. And just that feeling of someone's working with me, someone's trying to improve me so that I could perform. That was an incredible, that was an incredible feeling. And obviously with my dad and, and my mom at that time, that that was something that they were doing. So it was more like an encouragement, Yeah. you know, and later on I'm doing the same thing with my dad and I learned how to hit a home run. You know, I learned how to hit. And here's my point. Like the, yeah, the joy of achievement is something that teenagers, Gen Z, that they need to experience. And sometimes you can only experience that on the other side of someone having patience, working with you, encouraging you, saying, hey, man, you can get there. Yep. You know, the, the joy of not being picked on for your failures is nowhere near the joy of overcoming your shortcomings and becoming better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, cool. never being being made fun of because you didn't get in the batter's box to to swing. Yeah, okay, you don't know what it's like to be made fun of as much, but you don't know what it's like for people to cheer for you either, right? Mm. Because you overcame. And sometimes I feel like students, their parents are cheering them on and they know on the inside, it's like, I really yeah. haven't done much. Yeah, it's like... So it's like a false sense of resilience for yeah, kids. It's you know? almost like pride in the sense of who they are outwardly, right? Because they're built up, but then internally knowing it's not true. Yeah, they know they don't have what it takes. So in some regard, the parent has a responsibility to build that resilience and not just turn their child into a good liar so that they're convinced that they're better at something when they grow up. Yeah, yeah. I've literally met people who are high on the self-esteem scale, but I'll look at them and I'll think like, you really shouldn't be feeling that way. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but I mean like, well, I think there's a reality that you need to come to, you need to have an honest moment with yourself about who you are, what you're good at and what you're not good at in order yeah. to really move through, forward in this life and become 
a productive contributing member to society, right? And that's why I said conversation was so important earlier, because you could be literally doing something and be like, gosh, why are my parents abusing me in this way? Mm -hmm. And and it's like, look, I'm not trying to abuse you. I want you to to build resilience, you know? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we do things and and our kids don't always understand why we're doing it. And I think that, you know, obviously having your kid, your teenager do something to build that resilience is good, but the other part of the parenting is having those conversations with them, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I think um, I think about, so I spent a lot of time coaching, right. obviously, several years. I bet you've seen this. Bro, one of the things I would see, it just blows my mind, is um, how quickly parents would pull their kids out of um, soccer for adverse circumstances. Well, wow. perhaps they weren't playing, getting enough playing time, mm. and, or perhaps um, or they felt they weren't getting enough playing time, or they felt their child was better at the sport than they actually were, mm. and how quickly they would move them, or mm. you know, send emails complaining, and those different types of things. It was very rare that you'd meet a, a parent that was just like, oh, well, if you want more playing time, you gotta work harder, you know what I'm saying? If you want right. to prove your coach, you know, prove to your coach that you're better than he thinks you are, then you got to go out there and prove it. When you get the minutes that you do, you got to impress them. You know what I'm saying? Those types of things. It's much easier for them to just say, well, we're going to take our child and we're going to go somewhere else. And we're right. going to go somewhere where they'll get playing time. Or we're going to go somewhere where they're with their friends or, and those different types of things. And so they never let them go through the process of like socially, like meeting new people, connecting with them, experiencing the different kind of, uh, mm-hmm. like, because sports is different, right? It's not, it's right. like, you know, this hierarchy on the teams predicated on who's the best player and the, the respect that's given and not given and how it's given out and why it's given out. And obviously, I think some of that stuff is changing with this generation. Absolutely. They're way more collaborative in nature. They're way more open to, you know, uh, being friends even when they're on opposing teams. Like, we've mm-hmm. been seeing that at the professional level. Right, right? absolutely. Mad, Super friends. Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think they're just not – these, these kids are missing out on the opportunity to just, like, go through uh, a difficult circumstance on a micro level, right? We're not mm-hmm. talking macro. We're not talking something that's literally going to define their life uh, in a big sense, but mm-hmm. it might define, it might help define who they are, which then will go on to define their life. Absolutely. In a big sense, right? Because Absolutely. they can learn what it's like to overcome, be resilient mm-hmm. uh, in that moment, or they can have honest moments of reflection about who they are, what they're good at and what they're not, and how Absolutely. they can go on to be better at what it is, uh, that they're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember like I in soccer myself, I uh, picked it up super early and then stopped for a few years and then picked it back up late. And like, I was talking to my dad about it the other day. He's like, yeah, man, when you started, you, when you started back, you had two left feet, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I could tell that at times it was probably a little bit embarrassing for him because I was way behind. And so it wasn't until behind the other boys. Yeah. It wasn't until I was like 12, See, 13, 14, where I really started on? to develop. Mm-hmm. Right. But like I became like one of the best players in my area, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. You know, I played uh, for my country a couple of times, uh, you know, had a contract and lost it because I was an idiot and, uh, you know, had some really great experiences. It's what brought me out here. Mm-hmm. What, what got me out to America in the first place was playing scholarship, uh, college soccer, right? And so um, the skills that I learned and then also like all the skills that I learned doing all the things that I did have literally helped make me who I am today, having yeah. discipline, being able to keep pressing forward and keep going knowing how to be a part of a team, knowing how to care, sacrifice, mm-hmm. lay down my life for others, understanding that there are seasons of great success and seasons of great loss and kind of like riding mm-hmm. those waves, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
um, and understanding that sometimes there's someone's just better than you. Yes, <laughs> and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? And, so, and you shake and their hand. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, right. sometimes you beat the big bad bully, and sometimes you don't. You right. know what I'm saying? Exactly. So just understanding those things about life, and then continuing yeah. to press forward uh, in the midst of them, and in spite of them. Yeah. has allowed me to get to where I am today and hopefully it will help, help me get to wherever I feel like it is mm-hmm. I'm called to go next in the future. Yeah, hearing you share that story made a, another story in my mind come up of when I was a teenager. Um, I had thought I was pretty tough, tough guy in school <laughs> and I ran my mouth to the wrong guy Oops. and basically he was like, yo, after school, we're going to have, we're going to have problems, gonna go right? Down. And so I knew that, yeah, I was scared all day. I was shook thinking how I was going to get out of it. And I figured out a way, you know, to, to find a secret code way home. That's funny. And I got home and my dad was home early, which he never was. Yeah. And, you know, he realized something was wrong. And one of the times I'll never forget the conversation we had was over this time where he basically made me go confront him. Wow. And um, afterwards, now it didn't go well for me. I didn't win. <laughs> uh, I didn't win. And this, but is, I, what, mm-hmm. this is what uh, baby boomers did to Gen X, right? This is what they did. The <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I'll never forget, though, one of the things my dad had said to me. He said, son, you're hurting right now. And he said, but nothing is as painful as the pain of being a coward. Wow. And he was like. That's a powerful statement, bro. Yeah. And, and he was like you'll get over this pain of, you know, whatever, a, a bloody nose or a black guy. He's mm-hmm. like, but you'll never get over the pain of knowing that there's someone that can get over on you. There's someone that can can bully you and treat you this way. So mm-hmm. even if you stand up to your bully and you get beaten, that feeling of getting beaten is a good thing because at least it's not the feeling of cowardice. Wow. Yeah. And so the thing is, I know that everything that I do moving forward, I may not, I might not win, but it won't be that I didn't win because I didn't have the courage to stand up against the bullies. Wow. Does that make sense? It does. And so, you know, for better or worse, whatever that was, that was a defining moment for me. And it's one thing that I feel like as far as being able to have resilience, that was a, a thing. Yeah. I was thinking about as well, you were saying that when you started back playing, you could sense um, kind of your dad's disappointment in your skill. Yeah. Was that a motivator for you? Cause you wanted to make your dad proud. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think so. that's in every kid. And, yeah, and that's I why so. I think with this resilience thing, there is the, Hey, you did a good job, but there also needs to be this like practical, here's where you can improve. Right. And I yep. think that that's where coaches the and balance, other people right. are important. Got to learn that balance. Yeah. And so as we uh, kind of wrap up, we thought we'd give some things that we think can help parents, uh, build resilience in their teens. Um, and so just a few things. Number one, I think the first thing obviously is ownership. And what I mean by that is the reality that the number one trend for any generation is parenting. And so Mm -hmm. to some degree, your teenager is the way that they are because you influence them to be the way that they are. And that, that may not be everything, right? There may be adverse circumstances and situations that happen outside of your control. But uh, what is it that as a parent you can own? You know what I'm saying? What is it that as a leader of a teenager you can own and say, hey, I've helped shape this person to be the way that they've become. What are the things that I've said? What are the ways that I've acted? Uh, Mm -hmm. What are the things that I've given? What are the circumstances that I've brought them out of that I shouldn't have and those different types of Mm -hmm. things? Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just, you know, uh, the next step kind of talking to them about it, owning it, having a conversation like, hey, 
this is something that's really important for you moving forward in life. And um, it's something that, you know, uh, perhaps I have at times not helped you build. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, I want to apologize for that. And I want to move forward by helping you uh, begin to build some resilience and build um, mm. um, some resistance towards things and some character that says, hey, I'm going to go after this thing no matter what. I'm going to go to achieve this thing no matter what. And I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about these teenagers. They have dreams. They have aspirations. They have things they want to do. They have marks they want to leave on the world. And I think there'd be a lot of them that probably would welcome that conversation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the thing that parents as well need to be conscientious of is not tearing down the other people in your kid's world that are helping them build resilience as well, like teachers, coaches. That's good, man. Right? Other people. And what happens, I think I see parents get offended at some of the things that these other caretakers say to their their teenager. And yeah. the instant knee-jerk reaction of any parent is kind of defend, you know, defend your kid. Yeah, absolutely. But that's why I think you have to be conscientious. You have to be thoughtful. Yeah. You know, And if you think it's crossing over into abuse, that's, that's different. But if it's you just don't like how it made your kid feel, but you think about it and there's some merit there, I would just caution parents, you know, be careful. Yep. Because you can be the person to talk through them and make them feel better about what the other person said, kind of the good cop, bad cop. But you don't want to kill that in their lives if it's something that's going to help them build resilience. Yeah, that's good, man. I think um, that kind of leads us into our next point, which would be to obviously put them in a space where they can actually experience mm-hmm. and they can experience a situation where resilience is needed, right? Yep. Put them in a circumstance or a scenario where they're going to have to persevere. They're going to have to push through. They're going to you're going to experience adversity. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you know you put them out there and they, you know, they end the deep end and they drown. Sure. But you know you put them in a situation where it is it is possible for them to succeed, but it, it might also be possible for them to fail. Absolutely. You know, failure is definitely something that I think all of us need to experience. And I think how we navigate failure, you know, Absolutely. what I'm saying, is definitely going to be telling in terms of how we move on in the life, in our lives and what we're actually able to accomplish, right? Yeah. And so if they experience failure, you mitigate it and then they say to themselves, I never want to experience that again. They're not building resilience. They're creating a scenario mm-hmm. where there, when there's any possibility for them to fail, they're mm-hmm. just simply going to not do that thing. Mm-hmm. Or if they get a hint or a sense of that's actually what's going to happen, they're going to press the eject button. Yeah, that's good, right? man. And I think uh, the last thing I would recommend or we would recommend is to let that make decisions and experience the consequences of those decisions. Mm-hmm. And now we're not saying, you know, unnecessarily big macro things that could affect their lives long term. But, you know, um, smaller things, you know, things to do with extracurriculars, mm-hmm. things to do with chores at home. I'm saying those different types of things, yeah. And then make them follow through. If they made the choice, let them experience the consequences. No, <laughs> this is what you said you were going to do. So you're going to do it. And you're going to see it through. Here's mm-hmm. your commitment. Here's the length of your commitment. This is what you're going to do. Yep. This is how it's going to work. Point blank, period. And that feeling of accomplishment afterwards, man. Mm-hmm. You know, the other day we were doing the yard with the boys, and I could tell it was it was one of the hot days that we still had yeah, out here yeah. in Arizona because it stays hot into late Finally October. Down. Right. Oh, but this day was pretty warm, and we were out there cleaning the yard up, and I could tell uh, my oldest son did not want to be out there. Um but I was like, come on, let's do it. And we, we were doing it. We were cleaning the yard up together. And by the end, I could tell he was really tired, but the yard looked so much better. And I could see in his face, like, I did that. Yeah. 
You know he what I mean? Good about himself. Felt like he, he felt good. You could, I could just see it on his face. Yeah, that's a little something, that, a little deposit in yeah. his soul. And now when he plays in the yard, he's more conscientious of how dirty it is because he had to be the one to clean it up. That's good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's good, <laughs> man. For sure. Well, as we kind of wrap up, yeah, uh, as we always do, uh, we want to bring a little bit of Christian perspective for you guys um, as we think about this issue of resilience, experiencing adversity, and pressing through. I think one of the most important things that we can have as we want to do that is to have uh, some sort of goal, right? Some sort of thing, person that's anchoring us, a thing that we're trying to obtain or get to that's anchoring us. And, and that allows us to push through and be resilient and experience adversity and continue to press on and press forward anyways. And obviously, as I look at the life of Jesus, that's something that he did um, in terms of pressing forward in the midst of adversity and being resilient and accomplishing what he came to accomplish mm-hmm. and obviously that was to reconcile human beings to himself um, through his life and his death and now what he does is now that we follow him now that we're christians and we believe in him and we trust in him we've ordered and shaped our lives in a way that says we're going to live for you we're going to live for um your kingdom you know what i'm saying building your kingdom on yourself loving people and caring for people and standing for what you have said is right and good and true. And that doesn't mean um, be hateful. Mm-hmm. It means love people, but stand for what you believe in in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. It means love people, but disagree with them. It means care for people and, and challenge them and help them uh, to live life the way that it was truly intended for them to live. And I think there's a resilience that is built on the inside of the Christian. Mm-hmm. And it's ultimately because we're not living for uh, this life in the same way everybody else is. We're not living for the material things and the pleasures mm-hmm. and those different types of things, but we're living to see this world changed and restored and for people to experience wholeness and health and love the way God truly intended them to experience it. Mm-hmm. And all of that's found in Christ. And so I think if uh, you want to be resilient, you want to build resilience, I think a great place to start is to look at the life of Jesus and, and decide whether you want to follow in his footsteps, whether yeah. you want to uh, give up the way that you want to live and live the way that he's called you to live. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the teachings of Jesus that has always stuck out to me was this concept of being faithful in the small things. Mm, that's good. And I think that sometimes when we think about faith, we think, you know, if I have to stand in front of the Supreme Court one day and let them know that, what I think, you know, it's like, you won't take my Bible out of my hands, you know. Yeah. There's kind of this bravado that comes on when we think of faith mm-hmm. and, and standing up. And mm-hmm. I think that some of that's true, but what about the nitty-gritty of the small everyday mundane things, right? Yeah. And I think Ordinary. that, exactly. And so I think that sometimes with our kids, when we press them on things like their attitude with their with their siblings or reconciling with each other so that... You know, those little things they learn to build resilience relationally. Yeah. Like to me, all of those, you don't have to get them into some systematic program. You just got to pay attention to their life for them to build resilience. Yeah. And as a parent, yeah. be faithful in the small things. That's Make good. the small things important. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed today. That's the RLTK PHX Real yeah. Talk Phoenix podcast, episode six in the books. If you're liking what you're hearing, you can follow us. You can find us at RLTKPHX on all social media platforms for the most part. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, 
Uh, that's our YouTube channel as well. Uh, we love recording these podcasts and spending this time with you. We hope it's helpful and edifying for you. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, shoot us an email, drop us a comment on one of our social media platforms, and we'll get back to you. We love you guys. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. All right. See you later.